0: On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking with an adventure recreation specialist, team and group dynamics facilitator, associate director for outdoor education, esports, and student development at Syracuse University, and a lover of music and also video games, both of which we're going to be talking about in this episode. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Phil, this is Vertical Playpen, and our guest is Scott Cattucci. Describe
1: briefly who you are and what you do at Syracuse. So at Syracuse, I currently oversee the Outdoor Adventure Program, which is climbing wall, challenge course, team building program, the Adventure Trips, cross-country ski and snowshoe center, and all of which basically were developed under my time at Syracuse or expanded in the case of the Adventure Trips. Um, So I oversee all those programs and... I also, which is rather new uh, to me and to SU, oversee the e-sports room. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, So we have some high-end PCs. We have 36 uh, high-end PCs in there, uh, six console stations with Xbox, PS4, Switch, uh, VR headsets. Uh, We're doing streaming on Twitch now, all kinds of cool stuff. So it's been really interesting to see that develop. Um, And that was a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but not entirely because I had always been uh, somebody who was very interested in playing video games when I was younger and uh, saw the potential for that to be sort of a a community builder as well, for people to get together and to even come into our uh, new facility that may not have been coming into a recreation center prior now they're finding a way or a reason to come into a a building or a space that they hadn't maybe thought of uh, as being something there for them, right? They're not really into the super fitness workout stuff. And so they're not coming into the gym necessarily for the weights or the swimming pool, et cetera. Well, now they found a reason to come into that space. So it's been really cool to see that sort of open up the world of recreation. Uh, For me, video games have always been a part of my recreation. Certainly not outdoor recreation, but definitely recreation. So that's kind of a broad overview of what I do at SU.
0: Uh You mentioned like you had come into experiential ed in a diff- few different ways, and I think that that's always very cool. When I interview people, I found that everyone has a very, very different circuitous path to end up here because it's sure. not necessarily obvious that this is even an industry. So, how did you uh, how did
1: you find it? there's a couple of different paths, you know, one of them, which is a little bit off topic, which I I will throw out there is um, after high school, I uh, got into, well, I always loved music also music was also another passion of mine. So I got into the Grateful Dead and the Grateful Dead became an experiential education opportunity for me. Um, This kind of sounds a little strange, but I would go travel the country essentially with a couple of friends um, and meet people along the way and become friends with people as we met and have an experience, uh, a musical experience with 50,000 people at a time sometimes. And um, that the Grateful Dead for me was always an opportunity to experience something, reflect on it, both internally to what it kind of all means to me and what it means to the larger community, and then go back and do it again and and see how it played out the next time. So a lot of intrinsic stuff, um, but also a lot of external things where you're actually connecting with the larger community as well. So a little variant on experiential ed, but uh, it definitely connects back and maybe we'll chat about this in some sense later too, is the, the musical side of what I, am currently into and have always really been interested in music so but really when we're talking about experiential ed uh when I was uh, going to I went to SUNY Cortland as an undergrad and I found a program that was called adventure activities and so I was an outdoor recreation major and doing all these cool uh outdoor things and Then I found this adventure activities program led by uh, Tom Steele and Tom uh, Fuchs at the time and uh, got into this program and just absolutely loved it. So we're doing the portable team building activities. And then the second half of it was challenge course. And I remember very clearly climbing uh, in in a gym at SUNY Cortland, this uh, sort of Uh, I guess I could can't remember if it was a rock wall that face that we're climbing or if it was uh, a rope ladder or something to get up to the platform that was, you know, at the top of the ceiling with a bar out there that you would jump for right? the the leap of faith. So I I very distinctly remember climbing up there, leaping off for that bar and missing it and coming lowered back to the ground. And my instructor comes up to me and says, well, how'd you do? And I thought, well, I missed the bar, so apparently I didn't do very well. And he said, well, you're gonna you're gonna give it another chance, you're gonna get back up there. And and I'll tell you, I was scared up on that platform. Jumping off that platform the first time was really challenging for me. But I had decided that, yeah, I would give it another go. So I climbed back up and he had given me a few tips on the ground. He said, look, maybe instead of, you know, the way you leaped out, you kind of leapt forward for it. Right. He's like, maybe if you just try to go straight up and let your body weight sort of carry you out, maybe you'll get it this time. So I took his advice, went back up, leaped up into the air, full arm extension, caught the bar and hung there for you know a second or two and thought, wow, like what a difference between these two experiences. So I was hooked at that point and like challenge course, like this is where I want to be in my career. Like I want to move towards this as as a way to help people experience what I just experienced, right? Failure thinking, geez, I can't do that. That's not something I can accomplish to a little advice from a mentor and and some support to say, yeah, you know, you can go back up and try again if you'd like and not being forced into doing so, but, but with the option to do it again, if I'd like And then succeeding um, by grabbing the bar and feeling that overwhelming sense of like, wow, there's a lot to be learned in just what happened there. And I'd love to be able to go and share that with other people.
0: From that moment, from that having that like crystallizing moment of realization, what led you to then pursue the career? Because there's still a gap between the wanting and then the
1: doing, right? Absolutely. So... Well, and this kind of comes back to something that we might chat about later is like, what kind of advice do you give to emerging professionals, right? Well, I took an internship coming out of uh, my undergrad to go work at the Cugan Nature Center on their ropes course. So I went out there and really dug in deeper to what a challenge course would be, look like in full operation with, with clients coming in with the mostly elementary and middle school and high school students from the area that would come up to the nature center, get on the ropes course. And um, there was moments where some of the teachers would come up to us after a four hour program and say, what did you do in four hours that I've been trying to work on for four years? And at first I couldn't really explain it very well to them. Like we just do our thing, but you know, over the years it's become a little more evident to me. Like what is happening out there? Why is it that the student who maybe doesn't perform or learn as well in this other type of educational setting is doing really well out here? And so I've just been able to find those little golden nuggets. And that's always kind of brought me back in to sort of dig deeper and to try to use this in different ways and to apply it in different areas. So coming through that internship really allowed me to get some experience and uh, was able to take on a full-time job after the internship basically i was ready to leave my internship and they said we can't let you go like what are we going to do when you leave now right and so back to that emerging professionals advice like do a great job like rock it when you're doing things either in a volunteer or an internship position because a lot of times people then will notice and say wow like happened to me they didn't want me to leave. They, they were like, what are we gonna do after you leave? And I said, well, you could give me a job. And they did, so they hired me as the ropes course manager. Uh, from there, I stayed on for a couple of years at the nature center and became the director eventually. Uh, but then I had decided that I really wanted to focus on my grad degree. So I was in a grad program at again back at Cortland except now into a management of recreation and leisure. And I really wanted to finish the program. So I realized, okay, if I really want to finish this and move on to something else, I'm going to have to basically leave this job and go full-time. So I did. I went full-time, finished the grad degree, and was living in Syracuse. And my girlfriend at the time had pointed to a job description. I had been searching, like scouring, like, you know, for all these rec jobs or outdoor ed jobs. And I don't know how I missed this one, but it was pointed to me, and there it was. Uh, direct, uh, assistant director of outdoor education at Syracuse University. And when I read the job description, and I saw all the things that I had done with my education and with my job status at the Nature Center, and all the things I had been doing, it all lined up perfectly. And I was like, "They're like, they're like, that's my job." I basically looked at it and said, "That's my job," you know. And it turns out it was my job and I've been there for 15 years since. So that's kind of the path that got me (laughs) to where I am. What would you say
0: is something that experiential education does really, really well? And then conversely,
1: what do we still need to do better? Well, maybe I'll take it back a step just to kind of talk about how I got involved with AE and maybe that question then will answer itself through this. But when I was, my first year at Syracuse, I was charged with basically looking into an outdoor orientation program. So they had regular orientation and now I was here as the first full-time person in outdoor ed. They said, Hey, you know, they're hearing about these outdoor orientation programs. Why don't you investigate, see what you can come up with. Great. So I started doing a little search and I found the outdoor orientation program symposium. And so (laughs) it was a a pre- workshop, right? It was happening as a pre-workshop to AE Northeast region at the time. But I didn't find out about AE until I actually went to OOPS. And I was at OOPS, and I'm having this amazing time learning all about outdoor orientation programs. I had no idea, right? I'm like, this is my first sort of dive into outdoor orientation programming. And after the conference, or after the symposium, Friday night, I'm getting ready to leave and all these people are showing up. and I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on here? Like, why am I leaving? And everybody's now like coming in here. And I'm like, these people, it looks like my crew. Like, like, these are all people like, I don't know. I I shouldn't say this, but they look outdoorsy, right? They're like, because at the time I was just, you know, sort of starting my career basically, but it's kind of like, uh, well, I hate to refer back to the Grateful Dead, but you show up in a city, some random city, and you start to see Grateful Dead heads. You're like, okay, there's some tie-dyes, there's some people, I can probably go connect with those folks and we just can have a conversation. We have a mutual interest. So I'm seeing all these people that I'm like, wow, this it looks like outdoor folks, like what is going on here, right? And it was, there was this big conference that was about to happen. And sadly, I did leave, I left. Um, But then I did some more research kind of into what was going on there and I found AEE. So I went back the next year and had an amazing time connected with all these really great people that were either been in the industry and had a ton of experience or that were kind of new like myself coming into it. And I just started talking to people and learning from people and picking their brains and just really connecting to this group. And so what I found there was a professional development opportunity that really led to a lot of growth with me and also then led to an opportunity for me to come back and serve a little bit and help with the Outdoor Orientation Program Symposium at first and then as a host committee member and then coming in uh, being asked to join the the advisory council. And I think I sat on that council for eight or 10 years, I, I just recently uh, gave up my spot there to try to, you know, allow some other people an opportunity. Um, But I did love it and I I loved serving in that role. So um, I always said, hey, you know, if somebody else is wanting to get in here, don't let me be the one that holds it up, right? Certainly anybody can take my position whenever the time is right. And anyway, so, but giving back to that community after receiving so much. Was really important for me, so I, I I didn't know about outdoor orientation, and I went back and talked to you know a bunch of different people. I don't know if I should be name dropping here, but there's all kinds of people, you know, Brent Bell being one of them, uh, Andrew Jilling's, uh, all kinds of folks. I could I could go on and on, right? But I, all these folks who either were organizing outdoor orientation programs or had been for quite a long time. So I was able to then create an outdoor orientation program at Syracuse with the advice and, and, and expertise from not only those symposiums, but from the rest of the conference, going to sessions from AE and, and just having lunch conversations or dinner conversations with people, even or sidebar conversations that really helped me to uh, be able to form the programs that I was running and uh, just develop them in a way that was meaningful and and uh, allowed, yeah, to be in the industry standard as well.. You know?
0: One of the aims of the podcast is to help emerging professionals learn about different ways that you can find careers in our industry. Now, what's awesome about right now is that there are positions available at High Five Adventure, which is the organization I work at, based in Vermont. Now, you can find those by going to our website, highfiveadventure.org. Go to the About Us section. It's in the top right-hand corner. Click down, go to Joining the High Five Team, and you will find all of the jobs that we currently have available at High Five keep an eye out because there are going to be some future job positions available coming soon. Anyway, back to the episode. How do you like to two examples? What, how do you tie in your music, your love of music into experiential ed? And then also how do you then tie it also into uh, video games?
1: Well, geez, that's that's a that's a tough a tough question in some sense, Um, but also maybe very easy because I feel like I just do it naturally. Like it just kind of comes naturally to me. I don't know if that's really the case with everybody. I only know kind of how I am, and this has always been sort of a strength of mine. I believe is that I I sort of my brain kind of works in metaphor, right? It works in connection, and I'm seeing connections that either are there and just aren't apparent or maybe even are not there, but I'm seeing how they could potentially connect with each other. And then always thinking about what is the metaphor? What is the analysis of this? What is this? How does this relate back to something else? How does it connect to that thing that I do or this thing that I see? Um, You know, so all those things kind of come around full circle. And, um, you know, music for me is is always like been a path that, that allows me to think and reflect, right? So it depends what kind of mis- music I'm listening to, depending on how I'm sort of thinking at the moment. But something that's sort of a little bit long and jammy and extended when you're driving or when you're sitting or listening, it's it allows you to kind of think because you're not being forced into the lyrics or something that's very structured. It's just open-ended. And so you can actually just kind of think through it a little bit with your own thoughts rather than being forced into, well, here's my thoughts, like a a song with definitive lyrics and you're very structured, like here's the thought that we're providing to you with our music, right? Well, the sort of jammy or open-ended music just allows you to think and reflect your own thoughts essentially. So that's one way that music is really connected to me in experiential education. And um, even with playing music, right? You play something and you listen back to it. You kind of reflect on like, okay, what can I do differently or better? Or is there something I missed? And so even like working in Pro Tools and recording music and audio engineering, which is my current master's degree that I'm working on here at SU. You get into these sort of rhythms or patterns where you're listening and uh, sort of critically thinking about what's going on with this and how can I then either tweak that sound or change it to make it the, the way that I wanna hear it. And there's all kinds of different tools that allow you to sort of tap into that, whether it's plugins or different sounds and or a different tone on a guitar. So in some way that's experiential education. You're doing something, you're reflecting on it, and then you're applying what you either hear or or think about that can uh, sort of make it to be sort of the way that you wanna deliver it, right? And so, um, you know, sort of coming sort of away from music for a moment, uh, one of the other things that's really cool that we've been doing lately at SU is uh, connecting uh, our counseling center with our outdoor adventure program, and it's we're calling it the Adventure-Based Counseling Series. It's not a clinical counseling group, so it's, it's not confidential, um, but we basically use experiential education, and students come in, and basically they're forming relationships and working through some of their own issues that they're dealing with at campus or in their own life, and Uh, So we're using adventure to really sort of take a deep dive with our counselors uh, to, to kind of move through some of that space and kind of navigate the world, right? And I think music helps people do that as well, right? So music has always been something where people can kind of listen to and just kind of relax and get into a groove and a vibe and just kind of like mellow out or get amped up right if you want to work out and you're like i need some high intensity music like i need to amp my mood up so we know that music definitely affects people's moods and the way that they're thinking and their emotions and can help either uh, bring them to a state of calm and ease or bring them to a state of uh heightened adrenaline you know whatever they're kind of looking for right or whatever they need in that moment so I think that's a way that music really ties back into all this on multiple levels.
0: I don't want to forget that. I don't want to miss not talking about this because this is the thing I know that we have do share in common. Recently, we when we were at AE, we were chatting about that we would both been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. I I'm currently writing. Me putting this out there is sort of solidifying that I have to keep doing this. It's either yeah. going to be a blog or it could be more or I'm going to make it an episode. But when I was a kid, I would play a lot of uh, role-playing games. That was my mm-hmm. that's my genre of uh, thing that I enjoyed the most. Uh, Final Fantasy seven VII and eight were the were my gateway into this, into the world of role-playing games. I think that there is a direct tie into the way that role-playing games are played, and leadership and team development you know, as an example, let's say you've got experience points, right? So there's the experiential ed component already. As you gain experience, you gain these points and you can level up, like the idea of leveling up, the idea of farming. So you're Mm -hmm. going around and constantly repeating the same action over and over again to level up. It's a repetitive, sometimes boring task, but you're consistently doing that. I was struck when I looked at your description, and you mentioned this earlier, that you've now got esports in your title. And I was like, wow, okay, I need to know more. So how how do you combine the world of esports and also the outdoor ed and the experiential ed world?
1: We're trying to really create a space that's based on community. So we're trying to engage people in playing with each other and thinking about how they interact with each other through different games. So if they're playing as a team game, how are they working together as a team within that game? Uh, something like League of Legends, right? Where they need to really focus. They have specific roles and they go in and they're playing as a team. To anything like um, there's a virtual bomb diffusion game that's uh, called uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, right? And so we put somebody into the scenario where they are the person who can see the virtual bomb and they have the components in front of them that they can see and interact with. Then the rest of the team has nothing except a book right they have a pdf or some kind of a a booklet about here's the instructions and so they need to work together to talk through it and we so we're in headsets and discord and uh they're they're voice chatting through through discord and this uh, one person is diffusing the bomb with instructions from the rest of the group so they're looking through the manual giving instructions to the person who then has to do the task on the, on the screen that they see. So that's been a really cool way to bring a virtual team building component into, into a gamified area. Right. But even just board games, right. We have two tables in the room that allows people to, and we have a bunch of different board games that they can choose from to come in and play and, Uh, They can just sit with a group of friends and play. Now, COVID has definitely changed some of this. It's not quite the same anymore. We don't really have the board game options at this point, and we've had to minimize the amount of people that can come into the space and sanitation protocols, all that stuff, right? But we still are able to get together in various ways, and we've created now all these virtual programs. So, you know, moving into those spaces with games and activities that are um, even building out like quizzes, like we, uh, so we've gotten into the Twitch streaming and we're, we've created a channel and we have a morning talk show uh, that's about gaming and uh, we have uh, watch parties and uh, virtual game nights and all kinds of stuff, right? So we've shifted gears in that sense to be able to look to how do we still build community with our students or with our, our staff or anyone who's interested in, in getting together like that, primarily students, but how do we build those communities if we can't engage in uh, the physical ways that we used to, right? But you just get everybody together and pack them into the tightest space you can, try to get them to all stand on one box, you know, like all aboard type thing. Well, we can't really do that right now. So, uh, how do we do that? And it's been pretty successful. And esports has been a really big component, or it allowed us to be able to navigate those virtual spaces. We have a a esports club on campus and they have all kinds of different factions within that club but they have a minecraft club and they are building a virtual su campus inside of minecraft and it's incredible you can walk through the buildings that like are you kidding me this is incredible it's it's really cool um the other one well there's there's a ton of them but yeah there's They're really, it's about the community and it's about sharing that space. And when you can then jump into a place, a virtual space and build together, it's like building Legos with each other, Uh, virtual Legos and Minecraft and the, 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 the spaces they're creating. They're incredible. There is a lot of potential in putting in your all, even when you're not being asked to do so necessarily. Like nobody's forcing you to like, go 100% on something, right? You have to intrinsically want to do that. And it helps that you want to do it. So find something that you enjoy doing and that you love doing, right? So two of the two of the things that i turned into a career status for myself are two things that I absolutely love. Well, three almost now. So we've been talking about it, being outdoors and experiencing outdoors uh, in natural environments, being with people and sharing fun experiences with communities of folks, video games, and certainly music. So I've been able to take all these things that I love and would be doing as my hobby or as part of my life anyway, and turn them into something that is a sustainable career field for me. Um, So even with music, um, I, I've created, I have, I have two small businesses that I operate on the side. One of them is a team building company called the Positive Energy Program. And one of them is uh, music based, which is a support for artists. Uh, it's like a 360 service, recording, uh, promoting, booking, managing. It's called the Bold Atlas Endeavor. So those two side things for me are not really where... I make my living necessarily. It's all intertwined and there are things that I love to do. So I guess the point being is find something that you are passionate about and that you love to do and, you, and then drive yourself into it. And the more that you apply yourself into that field or into that passion of yours and, and find those opportunities to either volunteer or do an internship or get involved on some level and put in your best effort and people notice eventually and you might have to raise your hand 10 times and you don't get noticed seven or eight out of those nine ten times but the one time that you do get noticed that's the one that makes the move that turns it into something that could potentially either be you know a career field or a monetization effort or whatever so that's i just think that's important is to to put yourself into something that you absolutely love and that will help you uh, not only do the work well uh, but be passionate about it and be recognized uh, for that
0: once again thanks Scott for joining me it's been a pleasure, Uh, time flew we could do more I agree um, and feel free to continue to connect in the future thanks
1: Phil, thanks for having me thanks for listening to Vertical Play Camp
0: and then what about thanks for listening to High Fives podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try.
1: Thanks for giving. I think I pasta, the guy. <laughs>